Good morning. For those of you I have not met, my name is Julia Jones. My family and I have been attending UUCF for about six years, I think. Long enough to spark two midlife crises and for our family to change a lot. A few months ago, my daughter and I were having an argument. It was pretty standard parent-child fair, as I recall, and I remember being angry. And I remember her obviously being angry. She spoke harshly to me, and when I barked back in a way that suggested I was not interested in her attitude, she said, I get to feel however I feel. Boom, as they say. I had taught my daughter one of the fundamentals from my own work and had to face the reality that it might mean she'll be angry and express it at me. Great. I did have her permission to include this story, and she wanted to be sure that you all know that she won that argument. (laughs) I'll add that she may well have a bright future in the legal profession. As for her knockout verbal punch, my frustration with my own success in teaching her this lesson doesn't override the importance of it for her, for me, for anyone who's angry today or was yesterday or will be tomorrow. The truth is that most of us go to great lengths to get away from our feelings, especially the bad ones. And as bad feelings go, my experience with my clients and with my group of 750 mostly women on Facebook suggests that anger is the unholy grail. I want to unpack anger for us today. I want to look at what it does and how we respond to it. And I want to tell you why on earth I would want you to be more angry. First, I want to take a look at this whole avoidance phenomenon. I've seen women and some men use a variety of strategies to get away from anger. Very popular strategy number one is straight-up avoidance. We ignore it. We distract ourselves from it with busyness, occupation, entertainment, or numbing. Second big strategy I've seen is diminishment. We characterize our feelings in ways that make them seem more acceptable, more manageable, more palatable for others, or simply easier to face. The last big category, at least that I recognize, probably not the last by any stretch, is repression. We use rationalization to dissuade ourselves from deserving how we feel. We shame ourselves for our feelings. We decide that it's simply unacceptable to feel however it is we're feeling. And friends, I'm talking about these strategies warmly and fondly because I use them regularly. You see, I'm so angry. And I've avoided it so many times. I've seen myself looking away from things that make me angry to avoid it. I've seen myself numbing my anger with food, with alcohol, and with my cursed and beloved social media. 
I've used meditation to simply stop feeling bad so I can go back to business as usual, which often doesn't serve me at all. I've heard myself internally substituting frustrated for angry and confused for enraged. I've wondered why tears come as a response to anger and know it is nearly written into my DNA at this point as a survival strategy that women adopted long ago. I've caught myself naming all of the people who deserve to be more angry than I am so that I don't have to feel it, so that I don't deserve to feel it. I've talked myself out of more rage than I care to find a way to measure, and my life, compared to so many, is pretty darn good. I could, at this point, list the reasons that I'm so angry, and I imagine that many of them would resonate with many of you. In fact, we as a country are so angry that this week NPR revealed a study that shows that we are angrier statistically than we have been in the past. We are actually measurably more angry. As for my own anger, I don't want to list the reasons for it. I don't want to explain myself. Not today. I want to just tell you that I'm angry and have that be acceptable to all of you because that response would be a shift forward in our society. That would be a big shift because despite the waves of feminism that have preceded me and my middle age and my relatively enlightened family of origin, I still learned critical lessons about anger in America. And one of those first lessons is that anger is not for women. Or at least that it's conditional, and those conditions are enforceable. I learned this lesson so well that my current homework from my therapist is to actually have my face look angry when I say I'm angry. (laughs) True story. She really assigned me that because when I talk about my anger, I soften my face and sometimes even chuckle to make it easier on everyone. In her book, Rage Becomes Her, journalist Soraya Chamali explains when a woman shows anger in institutional, political, and professional settings, she automatically violates gender norms. She is met with aversion, perceived as more hostile, irritable, less competent, and unlikable. Side note, electable. The kiss of death for a class of people expected to maintain social connections. When a man becomes angry in an argument or a debate, people are more likely to abandon their own positions and defer to his. But when a woman acts the same way, she's likely to elicit the opposite response. Women's anger is usually disparaged in virtually all arenas, except those in which anger confirms gender role stereotypes about women as nurturers and reproductive agents. Yeah, right there. 
This means we're allowed to be angry, but not on our own behalves. If a woman is angry in her place, as a mother or a teacher, for example, she is respected and her anger is generally understood and acceptable. If, however, she transgresses and is angry in what is thought of as a men's arena, such as traditional politics or the workplace, she is almost always penalized in some way. I feel the heat rising in my neck as I speak those words. I am so very angry, and I'm angry about the unacceptability of my anger and the persistence of my relative lack of power that both results from and informs how I move forward with how I feel. And when I deny my anger because it has proven time and time again to fail to get me anywhere, when I turn it away because it seems to be so much more trouble than it is worth, I become exhausted. It is exhausting to be other than who and what you are. Let me pause here for a moment because I think there are plenty of us who are angry. And I feel equally certain that while some of that anger might be more socially acceptable, many of us have no idea how to do anger in a healthy and productive way. Because of the structure of our society, women's anger and its lack of expression or the punishments that ensue when it is expressed, see, Me Too becomes an all-out assault on reproductive rights, women's anger is quite obviously and dangerously political. The acceptable and most commonly experienced forms of men's anger are on display as toxic masculinity. I had to revise that sentence several times to remove the cursing and finger-pointing. Given our role models, sensible and sensitive men may also be tempted to deny their anger in favor of what we may see as more mature responses. What I hope to convey today is that we, as a country, need your anger. And your anger needs you to see it consciously. Your anger needs you because anger that is not dealt with that is not experienced and, as we say in the biz, processed, will come out in some other way. Men have more socially acceptable, or at least sort of acceptable, outlets for that anger, but increasingly for women, that unexpressed anger is tied to physical consequences. Soraya Chamali again explains... Unaddressed anger affects our neurological, hormonal, adrenal, and vascular systems in ways that are still largely ignored in the treatment of pain. Women in pain are often women enraged, but incapable of communicating that rage constructively. Women who repress their anger are more prone to anxiety, depression, immune disorders, heart-related diseases, and chronic fatigue syndrome. Some scientists have identified correlations between certain types of cancer and extreme suppression of anger. Our inability to just be angry is killing us, both in our political and legal reality 
and individually within our bodies. Research also shows that people who allow their anger to exist are actually more optimistic. Those who deny their anger tend to be more fearful. So I admit, I want you to be angry for lots of really good reasons. I want you to live. I want you to have less pain and stress. And I want you to be optimistic enough to believe that you can change the world. To do all that, we may have to see anger in a new way. Research psychologist Carla McLaren tells us that anger signals a boundary violation. It's a sentry, a guardian at the gate. Seeing anger in this way allows us to understand that this emotion is not bad. It's a communication from our inner core. In order to receive that message, we need to separate it from immediate action. If we can remove the possibility of actually decking somebody with whom we have a disagreement, we can feel safer being angry. Let me be really super clear about this. You don't have to act or do anything at all in order to allow your anger. I'm advocating the feeling part so that you can get to the moment of deciding what comes after that. When we separate action from the feeling part, we can then interpret that heat that creeps up the neck as a message from the internal road crew, jumping up and down, waving flags. Hey, you, that's a red light. That person, that incident, that situation is a major threat to something sacred to you. Don't let them cross the line. Or don't you see they crossed the line? It's just a guard freaking out to keep you, the inner you, the softest parts, safe. Martha Beck, Harvard-trained sociologist, says the choice we make in this flag-waving moment implies specific results. If we choose to shut it down, the the guard lights a fire inside, and eventually it burns someone most likely us. If we feel our anger, we get to turn that feeling into fuel. I practice this moment pretty much every day and with greater frequency on heavy news days. So I want to talk for a couple of minutes about how to do that, how to safely feel all of that anger. I like to think of anger as energy. When I'm really mad, I get hotter. Everything speeds up internally. I talk faster. I usually feel like I should physically do something. When it's really strong, I sometimes force myself to sit with it. I close my eyes and breathe in deeply to slow things down just enough to not start swinging. And I let all of that vibrating and buzzing flow through my body. 
I trace that sensation through my arms and my legs. I just actually try to feel it physically. Some folks find it helpful to move during this time. Martha Beck chopped a lot of wood as she left the Mormon church of her childhood. Me, I find it helpful to scream at stoplights. Rage screaming. Ever heard of it? I do sing, so I don't do this all that much. And I don't actually scream for very long, but I'll sustain a note at full force for as long as I need to to feel that energy rush out just a little. This choice to actually feel the feeling, it calms that internal road worker down. Okay, I'm listening. I got you. Let's talk about it. And as the urgency of the physical sensations begin to dissipate, I can have that conversation. And as I have that conversation, I can get even more granular in noticing the contours of my anger. I can identify different kinds. The kids and the dogs freaking out simultaneously anger. The on the phone for customer service anger. And my frequent guest, I didn't think our current administration could go any lower, anger. Feeling the feeling and facing it this way, letting it be what it is, will help you see the situation where your values are threatened and need protection or restoration with great clarity and focus. In my view, there's an awful lot going on in America that needs protection and restoration. And it would be easy to move into despair from the length of that list. But the fact that you sense a boundary violation implies that a higher vision exists within you, an ideal you can use to propel and sustain you. You can do that by imagining the situation the way you would want it to be. You develop a vision of the world where this boundary violation has not or perhaps would never occur. Picture things the way you want them to be and really spend some time there. This vision you're creating, it is the land of your values and you can use that vision to make it a few days longer maybe even a few weeks, perhaps even 17 months or so. (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr. understood the use of anger as fuel in building beloved community. When asked how to overcome a bad temper, something which King was known for, he explained the importance of concentrating on a higher virtue, A destructive passion, he said, is harnessed by directing that same passion into constructive channels. Changes that bend the arc of history toward justice have always been fueled by the spark of outrage, by the ability to allow our anger to speak to and through us. As we approach Independence Day, I encourage you to embrace 
your anger and act in its interest in ways that move you ever closer to the community that you want to live in. Let your anger be. Feel it. For what if it has the power to save you, to save us all?